The Orange Opal by H. Thompson Rich From Weird Tales, May, 1925 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman When the stone turned red, then ill fate befell its owner. THE ORANGE OPAL by H. Thompson Rich It was set in a ring of plain gold, a magnificent stone of at least five carats, and Westland had worn it on his little finger for many years. There was a curious legend about it, handed down through generations in the family of the Hindu prince from whom he had won it at cards one night in Calcutta a legend to the effect that the stone would turn red as a ruby were ill fate likely to befall its owner thus warning him that he might take steps to protect himself and modify his destiny the time had been when westland and i were friends that was in the east india campaign and after when he was a young captain of her majesty the queen and i a lieutenant colonel but with the passage of years the love of a girl had come between us and i was now his bitterest enemy though i still professed friendship i shall call the girl cynthia she was the daughter of one of the officers at the american embassy in london and our military standing brought us in touch with her socially she was charming and gracious and we both fell in love with her but westland being younger, won her, and he placed on her finger, as a sign of troth, the orange opal. They were to be married in the fall. That was in 1914. Then came the war, and Westland was commissioned a colonel for service. I, too, was summoned, but being older and a trifle out of shape, was shelved. Oh, but I fumed! to no avail however they were doubly strict kitchener had come to the front and he was all for fitness so i stayed behind and westland went before going he came to cynthia and asked her for the ring it would be well to have it with him he said to ward off danger in the trenches he would give her another instead but she was haughty and proud. She laughed. She asked him if he believed the silly legend connected with it. He had given it to her, she argued, and now she was going to keep it. If he insisted on having it back, however, he could have her promise. So he said no more and went without it, and she continued to wear on her engagement finger that glittering orange stone. When I heard that he had yielded to her whim, I gloated. Knowing the ways of the Hindu even better than he, and the curious trait their legends have of coming true, I was filled with satisfaction. Not only should I be even with him for his high-handed and insolent courtship of Cynthia, but I should have her as well, for now he would be without the means of warning, were danger eminent, and moreover with him out of the way, I knew I could win his fiancée, 
for she had confessed to liking me less only to him. Truly, I had nothing to be despondent about. So, as the months passed, I managed to see a great deal of her, under the guise of proxy, always professing to maintain my old regard for Wesleyan, I saw to it that she did not think overmuch of him. At first I did no more than visit her at her home, but gradually I prevailed upon her to let me take her out, and we went together the rounds of the rather limited social life in London that winter. That set people talking, and somehow the rumor must have reached Westland in the muddy Flanders, for he wrote her sharply on the subject. Indignantly she showed me the letter. Then she took off the opal ring, and would have laid it aside, when I asked her if I might wear it. For, I explained, though he has offended you, my friendship for Westland causes me to fear continually for his safety. Were I to have the ring always by me, I should then be able to watch it, and warn him if it should turn at any time to red. So you believe in that silly legend, too? For a moment disdain showed in her face. Then her eyes softened. Very well, she laughed. Take it. So I slipped it on my finger, Westland's opal, which he had given her in token of engagement. I truly think that had she realized its full significance, had she believed there was anything in the legend, she would never have parted with the ring. He had indeed offended her, but, even so, it was no more than a momentary fit of anger. In her own heart she still loved Wesleyan. Yet it is none of my concern, I argued. I love her madly, and all is fair in love, at least. So I stilled my conscience and smothered my shame in using my former friend so badly, and had I thought she would have accepted me, then I would have proposed to her on the spot. But I knew that Westland still came first with her, and that what she felt was nothing but a temporary annoyance, and would soon pass. So, though I hated to think of it thus, I knew that my only hope in winning her lay in Westland's death, and knowing this, I made of the ring an unholy, murderous shrine, watching it, forever watching it, praying that its clear orange hue would in some strange way deepen to red. And then, would I warn him? Ha ha! I would remain silent and let him die. Then I would go to Cynthia and ask her for her hand. So, through the weeks that followed, I watched and waited, until, chancing to look at the ring one morning as I woke, I beheld with shameful satisfaction that it had indeed changed its color during the night, for, so help me heaven, it was now flame-red. How I ever kept the secret to myself during the days that ensued I do not know. Of course, I could not wear the ring. That was out of the question, for its orange opal now burned like a ruby. So I put it carefully away in a bureau drawer, and to Cynthia I made the excuse that I had discovered its setting was insecure, and I was having it fixed. 
No one else, of course, knew enough about it to notice. Breathlessly, I awaited news from Westland. Each day I scanned the latest casualty reports for word of his death. As an officer, having free access to all data of the Information Bureau. But the days passed, and no news came. In fact, one morning Cynthia showed me a letter she had just received from him. He was well, and apparently on the most intimate terms with her again. Then, when I would have cursed the ring as worthless, that night, suddenly, three zeppelins slid out of the sky and raided London. In the midst of the commotion, the telephone in my quarters rang. Wonderingly, I picked up the receiver. Who would wish to talk to me at a time like this? It was from Cynthia's father. Their home had been struck by a bomb. Cynthia had been killed. With a cry, I dropped the receiver and went to the bureau drawer in which I had laid the ring. Tremblingly, I took it out and held it up. As I feared, the red tint had gone. It was orange again. Then, standing there, I understood. Westland, in pledging his troth, had given the ring to her. It was his no longer, but hers. Its red had been a warning to her, not to him. With a shudder, I put the ring back and slowly closed the drawer. Had I known, had I only known. The End of The Orange Opal by H. Thompson Rich